Well, greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what's going on locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Mark Langston is on assignment today, and we will get right to our return to civility. This is a great one. Give thoughtful gifts because the gift season is coming up. Find out what a person really wants and then satisfy their wish. The extra thought and effort really counts. And a great thoughtful gift is one in which we are going to be talking about in the next few minutes. It is a book entitled Best of the Blues, The Greatest Players in Team History. And we are very fortunate to have Dan O'Neill, who's an award-winning feature writer, columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He covered a variety of beats, including blues hockey. He's the author of two other Reedy Press books, including Celebration, the Magic of the Cardinals in the 1980s and When the Blues Go Marching In, the Championship Edition. Dan, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Ah, glad to be with you. Thank you. What a very interesting book. It's just this potpourri of a variety of things. What was the difficulty in in getting this book together? Well, the difficulty is what you use as your barometer when you're talking about the best players in the history of the franchise. There's a lot of ways you can go with that, and they're not all statistical. Longevity and leadership and all those kind of things, I think you have to take into consideration in addition to the obvious things of goals and points and things like that. So that leaves you open to second-guessing quite a bit, but that's also sort of the point of the book. It's a conversation piece. It's the kind of thing you talk about when you're sitting at the game with your buddy or your wife or whatever, or if you're, you're at dinner or at the bar having a beer, you talk about these kind of things. Where was this guy's status in the history of the franchise? And who was the greatest center to ever play for the blues and things like that. And that was sort of the impetus for the book. And I didn't form a committee or anything. It's just my take on it. So there, there may be some disagreements and things, but again, the conversation is really the point of the whole thing. You mentioned the top 25 players among some other things here, which is the best team. Who would be the Blues all-time leader? Who is the best of the Blues? And I think the point that you made really well in the book was that it's really hard to compare teams over the course of time because players are different, stronger, they're taller. The equipment's different. And that's a great thing that you said, because I think sometimes people in those conversations you mentioned, they don't take that into account. They focus on one particular thing. Is that something that you developed or you thought of over the years or thought, well, that wouldn't be a fair comparison to compare the Stanley Cup teams from the late 60s to the last Stanley Cup team? Well, it's a sports writer. You're always doing that. You're always comparing players from the past to players of the present. And if you've been around as long as I have, you've seen those players and you've or not you've seen some of them anyway. When the blues case, I pretty much have seen them all. And you've seen those teams and you've seen how the game has changed and how the league has changed. And I'm not a big fan of comparing players from different eras. It's one of the reasons I didn't rank the players, as you mentioned, there's 25 players that I identified as the greatest. 
in franchise history, but I didn't rank them from one to 25, but they're just, they're in the book alphabetically. And I did that on purpose because it's really difficult to take Glenn Hall who played at least in St. Louis played at the end of his career in the late sixties and early seventies and compare him to Grant Fuhrer or Jordan Bennington. The game is totally different. The equipment is totally different. Just about everything about it is different. So how can you compare them? In my mind, you can't, unless they were both playing or the players you're comparing are all playing the same teams with the same personnel and under the same format, same equipment and all of that. It's really kind of unfair to compare them because they just use the goalies as an example. It's night and day, the equipment. It's the, it, it, they're not even similar to each other. The things that Glenn Hall wore as a goalie, and he played most of his career without a mask. Right. In fact, he played a record number, a record that will never be touched. He played 502 consecutive games. And when you count playoffs, it's over 550 consecutive games and wasn't wearing a mask. And the pads he wore were totally different than the pads they wear now and really all the equipment. So that's the reason why I didn't try to rank them. I think it's pretty obvious in, in most cases who the very, very top players in the history of the franchise are, or is. I mean, Brett Hull still holds the NHL record for goals in the season by a right winger with 86. And he scored all those goals when Adam Oates was here and he, and Bernie Federko was really the first truly St. Louis blues player to be inducted into the hall of fame. So those guys are obvious and I didn't see any reason to, to rank one of them over the other, or one of them over Brett Berenson, who played in the late sixties here and was probably just as important to, as any other player to the blues franchise. You've probably got a lot of memorable moments knowing how long you've covered the blues and back all the way from the arena, the checker dome, and then to the current place. What what stands out in your mind or that you remember a memorable moment for you? It could be a playoff game. It could be a Stanley Cup game, or it could be just a high-scoring game or something where, you know, the great one came on the ice. Yeah. Well, that was certainly one of them, but there's been a few. And again, it would be hard to rank them, but I was actually there right down on ice level watching when Ron Schock scored his goal in double overtime in game seven that sent the Blues to the Stanley Cup finals in their first year. So that's one of the first thing that jumps into my head. For the post-dispatch, I was covering the Monday Night Miracle game when Doug Wickenheiser scored in that famous game that is, was always considered the best game or the most famous game in Blues history until they won the Cup in 2019 and added a few more to it. And really, one of the most memorable things to me was the night they retired Bob Plager's jersey mm. and how emotional that was. And I knew what it meant to Bobby Plager. And I think that was an overwhelmingly uh, feel-good night. So there's been a few, and you mentioned Gretzky. I mean, when, when they made the trade for Gretzky, they immediately, with, in less than 24 hours, sold out their next three home games. He finally scored in the second home game. They opened on the road when they made the trade for Gretzky. They opened the first game he played 
for the Blues was in Vancouver, and he scored in that game. But he didn't score a goal in St. Louis until a few nights later. And when he did, of course, the place was packed to see Gretzky, and the response was just overwhelming. I mean, he, he got a standing ovation for a long, long time before they uh, could drop the puck and get going again. So there's been a lot of great memories. You're talking about a team that's been around for 56 years. And for most of the time, usually, even though they've only won the cup once, they've been to the playoffs a ton of times. And so they've done a lot of good things and they've developed quite a relationship with St. Louis. Yeah, And speaking of that relationship, that was really going to lead me to the next question. The sports fans in St. Louis, they support great programs. They seem to love their teams, love the players. And is that the case in other cities as it relates to hockey? I think the comparison with the baseball Cardinals, people would know that St. Louis has the greatest fans in baseball. We're biased about that, but I think there's some substance to that. How about hockey? How do other cities respond to their team? Do they respond like St. Louis fans do, or do they love the players and the team like we do? Well, it's a little hard to give a pinpoint answer on that because I haven't lived in Montreal or I haven't lived in Toronto or New York. And I can't really speak to the relationship they have. I've been there and I've seen, I, I have impressions of it. What have you I think observed? Hockey, hockey is very much more a religion <laughs> okay. in Canada, you know, in Montreal and Toronto. And I, I think my opinion would be that they're a little bit they're a little bit more critical. They probably more demanding than fans are in St. Louis. But I do think the blues enjoy kind of a unique relationship with fans here. Uh, for whatever reason, hockey was not only embraced, but the fans in St. Louis really embraced the players and the players would say this as well, but they really become part of the family, if you will in St. Louis. An example of that is when Mike Keenan came here as a coach, he didn't understand it. And if you recall, he kept talking about, he wanted to change the culture because he didn't understand how players like Brett Hull and Brendan Shanahan and whoever were so embraced by the community when in, in his mind, they hadn't done anything. They hadn't won a championship at that point. You know, they were an up and down franchise over the years and they hadn't accomplished anything, at least in his mind. So he never really understood how beloved the, the, some of the players were with the fans. And he would always talk about trying to change the culture. He traded away Brendan Shanahan, of course, for Chris Pronger. And he traded away a few other players, Curtis Joseph, another player who was hugely popular, the, the goaltender Curtis Joseph, and is in the book. and. You know, he just didn't get it. He didn't get that. And, and or he, if he did get it, he didn't like it. And he tried to change it. And of course, then the Blues did finally win their cup in 2019. But as I said before, even even without winning a cup, they, they have a really diehard core of fans in St. Louis who love hockey, love the players, and they treat them that way regardless. And you bring that out in the book. You brought back a lot of memories as I was going through the book of going to some games in the late 60s and have standing room only. You could barely, you couldn't even see the scoreboard and you couldn't see all the ice from where I was standing. You have the best sidebars among those is the best to see a home game. 
and some other things like that, which are just little tidbits that bring back some real strong memories. And over the course of, what, six owners, the Blues have continued to draw fans and, like you said, have a great fan base going. Was there anything that surprised you in writing the book or putting things together? If you've done this for so long, I'm sure everything was just was natural for you, but was there something that surprised you? It was like, wow, I didn't know that or I didn't put that together. Well, I don't know about surprise, but there were things that I remembered or in doing the research and stuff that I had sort of forgotten or faded and a little bit surprising. I'll, I'll give you an example if you want to have a surprise. Everyone thinks that Al McInnes has always had the hardest shot among any players with the Blues and one of the hardest shots in the history of the game. And he certainly is way up there in terms of hardest shot. But the Blues had a defenseman named Lawrence Satchruck in the early 70s, and he only played one season here. And he's in the book. I have a segment of the book called The Best of the Brief. And it's basically dedicated to naming a few really top players or players who had incredible seasons here, but were only here for that season. And Satchuk was one of those players and he scored 20 goals and he scored 20 goals back when defensemen didn't score 20 goals. I think he was the, he was either the sixth or seventh defenseman in the history of the game to reach as many as 20 goals. And at one point in his career, Satchuk had his slap shot timed or measured and it was clocked at 116 miles an hour. Now, 116 miles an hour is way over what Al McInnes' shot was clocked at. Now, this goes goes to the comparison thing. What kind of gun were they using to clock Satchrocks? What was the circumstances and all that? And are they capable? I don't know. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that's totally accurate. And he had a much harder shot than Al McInnes. Kind of hard to imagine that. But he certainly... In terms, if you just want to go by those stats, he had an even harder shot than Al McGinnis. And the fact that he scored 20 goals at a time when defensemen just didn't do that kind of speaks to that as well. Yeah, that was very interesting. You have a book signing coming up Thursday, December 8th, out in Washington, Missouri at the Public Library. Had a book signing last night. How did that go? Well, it went good. It was at the Peacock Loop Diner. Yesterday morning, it was really more for fun. And, uh, we did a TV shoot there with show me St. Louis. There were a few people there and Louie was there, of course, the best mascot in blues history. And so it was fun. We had some really good pancakes. They have amazing food there. They do. So yeah, it was just fun. Tomorrow, the blues are having an opening night rally before their first game at union station, a pep rally from three to five. I'll be there with the book as well to, uh, sign. Plus I have some books signed by Ryan O'Reilly. So on a first come first serve basis, some people will get some of those books. I think I have about a dozen of them or so. So the first dozen, I guess, people who who buy a book would get much more important than my signature. They'd get Ryan (laughs) O'Reilly's autograph as well. I think your signature is going to be a great one too. It's a wonderful book, Dan. It's called The Best of the Blues, The Greatest Players in Team History. It's by Dan O'Neill. Dan, thanks for taking time to talk to us this morning. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. We're glad you listened to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. Please share this podcast or tell a friend. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. 
For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.